Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. As we continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22, which is on page 882 of your pew Bibles. I invite you to stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. I will begin with verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. And let's pray. Dear Lord, instruct us today. Instruct us this morning. Show us again who Jesus is so that we may taste and see that the Lord, that you are good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There is a custom in the United States that when a condemned man, a man who, a man who is condemned to die, is about to go to death row, and he's allowed to choose his final meal before he dies. Whatever he wants, he's able to assemble that meal together and enjoy that before he goes to be put to death. And in our text this morning, we meet a condemned man, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is condemned to die. And the moment that happened was when Judas Iscariot agreed to betray Jesus. We learned of that last week. A horrific and awful betrayal. One uh, that gave the chief priests and scribes in Jerusalem that missing piece of the puzzle to put Jesus to death, to remove him from the equation. And so here they are. They've they've figured out how to put Jesus to death and everything is in motion. It's about to happen. But this condemned man, Jesus, is truly innocent. 
He is not going to death row to a Roman execution on a cross because of anything he's done, but because he faithfully proclaims the word of God and lives it out. And a people who living in darkness hate that. In a, in a few hours after this passage, Jesus would be executed. But in this passage, he chooses his final meal. He assembles that meal just how he would want it to be. He prepares it. And you see the kind of people he wants with him, right? His disciples. It's this intimate setting with his 12 disciples. Throughout the book of Luke, we've, we've been feasting our way through the book of Luke. You know, Jesus loves to enjoy social settings, eating with all kinds of people. But here we see this moment in which he just singles out his 12 apostles and and prepares this room that no one knows about and enjoys it with them and with them alone. It's in this moment that Jesus not only chooses who he wants to enjoy this meal with, but he, he also chooses the elements of this feast. And this is what we need to look into. Today, we're going to learn about the Lord's Supper. And I want us to do this by looking at this uh, this statement that Jesus begins with as he starts the meal. How does he kick off this feast, this farewell feast? He says this. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want us to ask this question. This is what's going to propel us forward into the sermon. Why is Jesus so eager to enjoy this feast? In fact, you know, this, he, he had to not only be feeling you know, this eager longing for this feast, but also that dreadful threat of the cross starting to weigh down with him ever increasingly. Why is Jesus so eager to enjoy this final feast? The word here for for his his eagerness is an intense longing that comes from deep within him. He he, he can't wait to enjoy this feast with these disciples. Why? Why? Let's look at two reasons in this sermon. And the first reason is this. Jesus is eager to share this supper with his disciples because this is his last Passover with them. It's his last Passover. We see that in verse 14 and 16. I'll read that again. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is his last Passover, his farewell feast, you could say. And there's no mistake that this is a Passover because you see all the elements of a Seder meal, a Seder Passover feast coming together. And you heard that Seder meal um, spoken about in Exodus chapter 12. That fairly long reading uh, that we had as we heard about the Passover. Jesus starts this feast by lifting a cup of wine, the first cup. And he takes that first cup. And uh, actually, it's interesting. It's in Luke that we see two cups, right? In the other gospels, there's only one cup mentioned. But in Luke, there's two cups Reference throughout this passage. And what that's doing is telling you this is actually an authentic Passover meal happening. Because there were four cups throughout the progress of a Passover Seder meal. And those four cups were like 
you know, stages moving throughout the celebration of this, this sacred and important feast in the life of Israel. The first cup is the cup of thanksgiving, the cup of blessing, which, which began the meal. And what, uh, what we see is that this is a feast that Jesus was surely familiar with. All the elements here. First, the, the cup of wine that invites people to celebrate the feast. But then the bitter herbs that we heard read about in Exodus chapter 12. Surely they were here too in, at this dinner that Jesus had prepared. Bitter herbs that were a symbol of what? The bitter years of slavery that Israel were under, under Pharaoh's oppressive hand. You know, as they would taste the bitterness of the, those herbs, they would remember that their ancestors were under the heavy yoke of slavery, that bitter weight of slavery in Egypt. And then they would turn and they would eat um, un- unleavened bread. Again, a, a symbol for what? The symbol for that speedy exit that they, the people of Israel had to make from the land of Egypt. When the exodus began, they had to eat that Uh, that bread so fast, they had to prepare it so fast that there was no time to include yeast and for the bread to rise. And so they had to take simple unleavened bread and get out of there if they were going to successfully follow the Lord out of their slavery. And then finally, the lamb. We heard about this lamb in Exodus 12, the Passover lamb, and the lamb was like the center of the feast. The, um, the, the element of the feast, the course of the feast that tied it all together because that Passover lamb was right at the center of the table as a symbol of the sacrifice for their sins. The sacrifice that had to be made for them to enjoy freedom. What had to happen for Israel to leave the land of Egypt was that blood had to be shed so that the Lord, when he passed through and struck down the Egyptians, would not strike down the Israelites as well because they were sinners before a holy God. So what did they do? They took a lamb, a lamb without blemish, a male lamb, and they killed that lamb at twilight. And then they would take that lamb and they would take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost so that when the Lord passed by, what they received was forgiveness and not judgment. And so that was at the very heart of this feast. And this was part of this meal as well that Jesus and his disciples are eating. This was his final meal as Jesus went to be executed. And you imagine that you know, as Jesus enjoyed this feast, he wants to enjoy this with the pass. He wants to enjoy this last Passover with his disciples. Why? Because he remembers all the Passovers before, even from his earliest childhood, when he was one of those children referenced in Exodus twelve, who would say, "What? What is this, Mom and Dad? What is this feast about? What does this mean?" And they would say, "Jesus, Son, this is the Passover of our Lord." It's kind of like when you think of some of the Christmas meals you've enjoyed with family or a Thanksgiving meal. Remember this, this intimate time. And then you reflect upon all that God has done for that to be possible, for you to enjoy that fellowship with your family. It's nostalgic. It's meaningful. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus desires to enjoy this meal. But there's more. 
Jesus desires to share this last Passover with his disciples. Why? Because he is so eager to show them that everything that the Passover is about is about to be fulfilled in who he is and what he's about to do. See, this is the last Passover, the final Passover in history that had you know, any, any great weight of meaning. Why? Because Jesus is about to encapsulate everything that it is and means in his person and in his work. See, Jesus looks back on this Old Testament feast and he loves it. But it's, it's not just because of the nostalgia and, and the, the celebration and the closeness and the intimacy. It's because all of this is pointing to him. See, if, if, if all of this Passover was just about Israel's national pride or being given a, a plot of land, then why are we even reading about it? You see, it's, it's about so much more. All of these symbols were like a dress rehearsal for the great exodus from slavery to sin, which Jesus is about to accomplish on the cross. Remember way back to Luke 9 when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? He was changed and he was talking with Moses and and Elijah. And what did he say? They were talking about the exodus that Jesus was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. See, Jesus knows that a Passover is about to take place within hours. And it's not just the Passover that happened way back in history. It's it's what that was a dress rehearsal of. Him leading a people out of sin and misery and into salvation in a land of bliss into heaven itself. And we know this is what Passover is all about because guess what is not mentioned in the, the telling of Luke when he talks about the Passover feast. What's missing there? The table is spread. We hear about the unleavened bread. We hear about the wine. But the main thing that is missing in this feast is the lamb. The Passover lamb is missing. And you know, it's like, you're saying, well, hang on. That's the main course. That's the center of the feast. It's at the, right, at the, right at the middle of the table. Why does Luke just kind of gloss over the Passover lamb? It's because the Passover lamb, the true Passover lamb, is speaking. He's become the host of the feast. Jesus is the Passover lamb. And Luke is, is trying to show us that. We hear about this. Apostle Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says this, Christ Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. See, this is what Passover is all about. It was always pointing forward to what Jesus was going to do on the cross, laying down his life as that perfect Passover lamb whose blood is shed so that God pours out his righteous Uh, in in wrathful judgment upon Jesus, upon the innocent, unblemished lamb so that we can receive the freedom and the righteousness that Jesus, it belongs to Jesus. And so Jesus is eager to celebrate this last Passover because of this, because it's all pointing forward to him and he wants to show us that. But there's another reason. He's eager for this last Passover, for this for this supper, because it's not just the last supper. It's not just the last Passover. It's also the first communion, 
the very first Lord's Supper. And we see that happening right before our eyes as we're reading this in the text, right? Something is happening. Something is changing about the Passover. That's never happened before. Jesus is is molding it and morphing it into something different. And he's giving it as a gift to us to be celebrated throughout history, throughout the, the history of the church until he comes again. And we call it the Lord's Supper. What is he doing in verse 19 through 20? He's taking new symbols, symbols that used to be part of the Passover, and he's setting them aside for a new kind of use. He takes unleavened bread. He takes wine. And he signifies them as as being full of this new kind of significance. Let's look at those two elements and, and see what they mean and why Jesus is so eager to show them to us. The first element here is the bread of remembrance in verse 19. The bread of remembrance. What does Jesus do? He takes that bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we've talked in Sunday school about half a year ago about how throughout history, people in the church get really tripped up by these words. When Jesus says, this is my body. They say, well, does this mean that the bread somehow changes into into Christ's body and blood? What is this? What exactly does this mean? I think. We've learned at this point, reading through the Gospels, well, that's not what Jesus means. We don't have to be tripped up over this because Jesus uses rich symbolic language all the time. All the time, Jesus is talking about, um, he'll, he'll say things like, I am the door. I am the way and the truth and the life. And when Jesus says, I'm the door, we don't go looking for hinges You know, on on Jesus, we realize this is a rich metaphor that Jesus is that way to salvation. So when Jesus says, this is my body and he's standing right there, he holds forth the bread. He's he's giving us this token, this symbol. This beautiful visual illustration of who he is and what he's about to do. What does the bread mean? This is my body. The bread is a symbol of Jesus's body. And not just a body, but a body prepared to be broken. To be broken down, to be beaten, to be bruised, to be crushed. Just as this bread is taken and broken before the very eyes of the disciples, Jesus is saying, that's about to happen to me. My body is about to be offered up as a living sacrifice. See, Jesus is already looking forward to what he was about to do on the cross. He was about to do this for us because the bread is not just given. It's given for us, broken for us. We call this, there's a big word for this, the substitutionary atonement. And here's all it means, that Jesus's body was broken on the cross in our place. When we see the bread broken and we think of Jesus's body beaten down and crushed, we ought to say, that's that's what I deserve because of my sins. But Jesus steps in and he takes that in our place, dying in our place, going to death row. So that we can walk out into the light of freedom. And notice the richness of this being bread. Jesus gives us bread. Why? Why? Because bread is that most basic kind of food. 
our daily bread, the thing that we live on. It's our nourishment. So when we we take that bread, we remember our deepest need, our everyday need is to receive Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. So that's that's what that bread is, is showing you. But there's also a second element. Jesus in verse 20, what does he do? Look at that. Verse 20, he, after, uh, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So here's Jesus. He takes the final cup of the Passover and he transforms it into a cup of the new covenant. And he sets it aside as a symbol. A symbol of what? His blood. His shed blood. Right? You see the bread. You see the, the wine and they're separate. Symbolizing what? That Christ's blood was poured out from his body. Again, for you. And it's called the blood of the covenant. Now, remember what a covenant is. A covenant is a kind of. You could say it's a kind of contract between God and us, but it's a contract that comes from him down to us. And he. He comes to us and and is full of promises and blessings. And and God says, here's what I am going to do for you so that you out of gratitude can live in a right way for me. And throughout the history of scripture, covenants, this kind of um, relationship between God and man, it was always forged in blood. Covenants were always made with great blood on the line. You see that, for example, with the old covenant. In Exodus 24, in verse 6, if you were to look there, what would you see? That Moses comes and he says, this is the blood of the covenant. And it was a bunch of bowls of blood from bulls and goats and lambs. And what did he do? He threw it upon the people, covering them, saying, blood has been poured so that you, a sinful people, can can be a people that now belong to God and enjoy the freedom of, of being a people that belong to God. Covenants come at a cost, the cost of blood. But in the old covenant, the cost of blood was over and over and over and over. Why? Because it doesn't matter how many Passover lambs you shed and you put on the table and you eat. It doesn't matter how many times you do that. Can't deal with the deepest problem that we're guilty before God. And every time we sin, we need, we need another sacrifice for us. We need a perfect sacrifice. And that's what's so wonderful about Jesus taking this cup of wine and saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. What's he saying? Hebrews chapter 9, 12 tells us what he's saying. Listen to it. Hebrews 9, 12 says this. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of bulls and goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So here is the blood of the perfect son of God, infinite and eternal in his person. God come in the flesh to save sinners. And he offers up his body once on the cross. True God and true man. And what happens? All who look to him by faith, all who receive that Passover lamb are covered Perfectly and fully by his blood. See, the bread of remembrance, the cup of the covenant. What are these things doing? They are showing us 
what Jesus is so very eager to share with his disciples. Why is he so eager to share this meal with them? It's because of this. He is willing and ready and eager to give himself for sinners like you and me. He wants to give himself to us perfectly and fully. And friends, he knows how easily we who look to him by faith forget what he did. How quickly, how, how, how easily do we forget what Jesus did for us? How easily do we, do we become distracted and forget about the significance of, of his work for us? We go through the motions. We take for granted what it cost our Savior to gather us around the table and feed us rich food. And so he's eager to give us a reminder, a token, a visual remembrance, a multimedia presentation of who he is and what he's done. Even before he died for our sins, he knew. He knew our struggles. He knew how easily we forget. And so he gave us this supper, a regular supper, to receive his body, to receive his blood by faith. Feed upon him by faith so that we too can be eager to share this supper with him. Eager now and eager, especially eager to celebrate it with him on the marriage supper and the lamb on the last day when he returns and spreads the feast and drinks of the fruit of the vine once again. Let's pray.